0: at sends one to right center and deep. Get up!
1: Welcome to the Brewer's Trilogy podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy. The podcast for known only diehard Brewer fans, but also for those fans who enjoy cheering for a team that revolves around beer. My name is Tyler, aka T-Plus, your host for the show. I'm a contributor for Viewing the Brew for Fansided and one of the founders of the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy podcast. You can find all the work we do on Twitter at Trilogy underscore pod. As always, I'm joined with good buddy Trevor, aka Sunshine Bender. He is the host of the Packers Trilogy podcast. But we are here today to recap the Reds series. Before we get into it, how are you doing today, buddy? Well, I was doing
0: good. I was feeling was feeling good going into this game, and then just like a couple other times we've seen him on the mound, Adrian Hauser just decided to blow some chunks. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing at that oh god <laughs> and shout out to my girlfriend she thought of that before I recorded this so that is what that's what I got that from
1: I'm not smart enough to create that from my own brain <laughs> at least you admit it that's honesty that's the best policy right there right <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, you know, Adrian Hauser wasn't the only one to blow chunks this series. It was just bad overall. I mean, the two games the Brewers lost were essentially blowouts. Even though Game 1, six to 6-3 doesn't look bad, they, of course, scored, what, two runs in the ninth inning to make it look somewhat closer, but it really was not, so... <laughs> Let's get into the quick recap here. As I mentioned, Game 1 was at 6-3 loss, and that was another Brandon Woodruff start that the Brewers lost. And as expected, it was a pitcher's duel between Woodruff and Castillo. When both pitchers exited, it was a 2-1 game in the Reds' favor. Castillo gave up a home run via Jed Jerko, and then Woodruff gave up a 2-run homer via Ingenio Suarez. In the top of the seventh, the Brewers missed out at a big opportunity with runners on second and third and one out. Orlando Arcia went fishing to strike out, and then Tyrone Taylor came in to pinch hit as the Reds made a pitching change to a lefty, and he grounded out after that. From there, Drew Rasmussen gets tagged with four runs in the eighth inning, <laughs> and that really after that, like I said, then the Brewers catched Two runs in the ninth via Jace Peterson home run, but it was all too late at that point. Fun fact, for that game, all nine runs of that game were scored via the home run ball. The Reds got their home runs from Ingenio Suarez, Casali, Moustakis, and then Brewers got it from Jerko and Peterson. Game two was the Brewers' win. That was 3-2. to two. That game started without Avi Seal Garcia and Kesson here in the lineup. The Brewers gave up two runs in the first inning, uh, thanks to an Orlando Garcia throwing air, and then a Nick Castellanos home run. From there, Brett Anderson settled in, goes six innings strong. Brewers score via Tyrone Taylor solo homer, and then they get two more runs in the seventh inning, in which... Good old Vogelbach started that with an opposite field single. Jed Jerko doubled, and then Arcia hit a sack fly, and then Eric Sogard hit a double after that. From there, it was the lights-out relievers of Devin Williams and Josh Hader to close the door. And then Game 3 was that 6-1 loss. Again, the Brewers went down 0-2 in the first inning for the second consecutive day. This time it was Adrian Hauser on the mound. And after the first inning, he ran into issues in the middle of the game. Was eventually relieved by Alex Claudio, who then proceeded to give up a three-run homer to Ingenio Suarez. Trevor Bauer was lights out for the Reds. He went eight innings, struck out 12 Brewers, and did this on short rest. So... The Reds take two out of three. The Brewers fall down in the standings in regards to where they were prior to with the Reds. What else do you want to add to this disappointing series? Disappointing is not the perfect word. It was very, very
0: disappointing that the Brewers, like, it just seemed... In really all three games, and it's it's more of the same, this is something we should have expected. I got too high after that four-game win streak, but continues that the offense just can't score runs for their pitchers. It It is beyond frustrating at this point that the opposing team scores 6-2-6, six six and you get 3-3-1. Three, three and one. And like you said, really two of those runs in the first game might as well have not count and it might as well have been 6 to 1 cuz it didn't change anything but it's just it's just very frustrating there's guys that have produced offensively basically all year namely Jed Jerko not fantastic numbers in this one 3 of 11, 3 strikeouts, a walk, home run, double and an RBI. Not great great numbers but He's been doing this all year, and the guys that we expect to be great, Christian Yelich, six strikeouts, Keston Hira, five strikeouts. Those guys have been doing that all year, unfortunately. It's just been a terrible, terrible, terrible year for those two. And then add in 0 of 7 from Ryan Braun with three strikeouts. The guys that you need in September did not show up in this series, and I think that's a big, big reason why the Brewers – only could scrape out one win against a team that they needed two of them
1: yeah and it's even more frustrating when you factor in the defense wasn't as sharp as it had been all season you saw throwing errors from Jace Peterson Orlando Garcia and Kesson Hira all in this series you saw the Brewers pitching staff which has done a really good job at limiting home runs this entire year give up all of the runs via the home run ball against the Reds 14 runs in total all came via the long ball. And it's like, man, when are the Brewers going to put together a series like that? I mean, they kind of did, like you mentioned in that four-game winning streak. And then it's just all downhill from there, and they can't put anything else together. I do think it was also really frustrating that the Reds pitched Trevor Bauer on short rest, and the Brewers could have did the same thing with Corbin Burns. Both of these guys last pitched... Prior to Wednesday on Saturday, so they would have had the three whole days of rest pitched on your fourth day, whereas opposed to normal, it's you rest for four, pitch on your fifth. So one less rest day, but now the Brewers are in this situation where there's one series left against the Cardinals, and Corbin Burns is going to make his last start of the regular season on Thursday. Or if they would have pitched him today on Wednesday, they would at least have the option to pitch him on Sunday. But I don't know, what are your thoughts? Do you think the Brewers should have made a switch in the pitching department, or is the offense just been so terribly bad you don't think it would have made a difference?
0: The offense has been pretty bad. But, I mean, you look back at this game on Wednesday that he could have pitched in, they only score a run, I... Think against this lineup who outside of, you know, the first two games, I don't think they've been that good, Um, especially hitting home runs. I don't think they've been that good this year. You know, you mentioned in our uh, last podcast that, you know, they have a lot of names, but their names haven't been producing just like Keston Hira and Christian Yelich for the Brewers. Their names haven't quite been producing at the levels that you would expect them to. Outside of maybe Castellanos early in the year, he was on fire. But since then, he's cooled off. Um, you know, it would have made the third game a hell of a lot more interesting because I think Corbin Burns could have gone, you know, six, seven innings, and maybe it's 1-1 going into the eighth, and it's just a completely different game. Maybe, maybe that makes a difference. Maybe the offense can get a late score and and win the game that way but based on the offense we saw you can't really expect (laughs) expect them to win that game you can't expect Corbin Burns to allow no runs even with how good he's been pitching you you can hope for it but I don't know if you can really expect that theoretically I thought when you mentioned it that would mean that we wouldn't get him for that first postseason series but you laid it out to me that he would be able to pitch, what, in that second game of a first-round playoff series? On um, Short rest, yep. And it was a day short rest, correct? Correct. So yeah, to me, you you got to put your best guys out there. Corbin Burns is legit in Cy Young contention, so why, why not pitch him? I get that you don't want to ruin what he's doing, but you need to put your best guys out there. Woody goes out there; he's got a tough pitching matchup. You end up losing the game. You you get one in in the second game with Brett Anderson on the mound, who really should have only gave up one run in that game. And it's a little bit different now. You throw out Corbin Burns. You know you can't assume everything's going to be equal if if Corbin Burns is out there and it's you know it's high game, but it, it definitely would have made more sense going into this game to have Corbin Burns out there. Now you can start Corbin Burns on a, another one day short of rest. I think in the Cardinals series do it again for game two of the potential postseason series. And then you have Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns pitching as much as you feel comfortable with going into the most important part of the season. And now we get to see Corbin Burns one more time. And that's that's great. We want to see him out there. You know, you get the win. That's very important. But now it's going to be up to other guys stepping up. We need to get some run support for Woody. I don't think he pitched terrible in that first game. He, he needs some run support. And basically it was like I said earlier is basically one run of support until, you know, the last out or the last couple outs of the game where it was already kind of out of hand at that point. So we need run support and yes theoretically it would have made a ton more sense to make that move and let corbin burns pitch but i guess we got to live with it now and and hope other pitching other pitchers on this pitching staff can step up because we need them at this point against the cardinals
1: yeah i agree with you when you said you got to put your best guys out there like especially in the last week of the season and you're not like you know, it's not like a CC Sabathia deal where he's doing it for continuously. It's two, three starts, maybe. You know, who, who would even know if we would need Corbin Burns to pitch on Sunday or not? You know, it all depends if the Brewers would absolutely need to win that game or not, which we don't know at this point. But now you don't even have the option to pitch him there, which is very frustrating. So I guess we will look for Corbin Burns, though. He is chasing the ERA title. Uh, Currently, I'm not sure if Trevor Bauer's ERA has been updated after tonight's start, but at least entering Wednesday night, he was the NL leader in ERA. He would be the first Brewer to ever do it. And all he has to do is pitch a minimum of four innings in his next start. That would give him 60 on the year to qualify for that. And, of course, not give up any runs. That would help (laughs) as well. Um, other things we saw from this series, we saw Drew Rasmussen struggle, and it feels like he's been really good all year. He'd been working his way up into those high-leverage spots. He'd been excelling. He had an ERA under 2.0 last podcast when we talked, and then sure enough, I jinxed him. <laughs> gives up four runs. So my question is, does this change your thinking on Drew Rasmussen or not? In particular, if you think about if the Brewers are going to use him, come hopefully in the postseason would you trust him in a close game if the brewers are down by one or if they're you know up by one however you want to look at it would you trust him he is a rookie after all Uh oh,
0: that is i feel like that's a very loaded question he has been pitching well for the most part i mean you you look back early on they had him up his first I believe that uh, his first game was against Minnesota. And then I think in his second game against Pittsburgh, I believe that was also the game we saw Perdomo, I believe. And they both kind of struggled. Rasmussen gave up two earned runs in that one. After that uh, outing, he was at 5.4 ERA. And he had another outing. Against Pittsburgh again on the 31st of August, this time, where he gave up a run. But since those two games against Pittsburgh, where he gave up a total of three earned runs, he had not given up an earned run in all of September and all of his outings in September until this series, where he does have a blow up start. But to me, yes, I know he's a rookie. I know that. It might be a little bit um, scary to have a guy out there in these important situations, especially in a postseason series. But to me, outside of really two outings where he gave up two runs in that Pittsburgh game and then against the Reds where he gave up four, I thought he's pitched extremely well. And you don't don't put everything up on a blow-up outing. Pitchers have that all the time. Even the good ones, maybe their blow up outings aren't quite as big, you know, instead of a blow up outing or say drew Rasmussen, he gives up four earned runs, you know, the blow up outing we, we saw from Josh Hader where he blew the save and walked like five batters or whatever happened in that outing. You know, the good ones don't blow up quite as much, but to me, it's a blow up outing. And, I think I would trust him to be in spots. I don't know where exactly that is in terms of, you know, is he going to be that seventh inning guy? Is he going to more be, you know, middle relief? You get your starter to go five innings and you need that middle ground of an inning or two in the sixth and seventh. Is is that his role? I, I'm i not entirely sure, but I to me – I think you got to throw him back out there because I thought he's been pitching extremely, extremely well, and one blow-up outing does not change that for me.
1: Yeah, me either. Like, I trust the stuff of Drew Rasmussen. He's got that 98-mile-per-hour fastball and then mixes in the slider and the curveball. So, I mean, he goes anywhere from 82 to 98 in hitters. Like, that has recipe for success there. And then per baseball savant, he's in the 88th percentile in fastball spin rate, 75th percentile in curveball spin rate. So like you said, that one blow up start or one blow up outing here, I'm not too worried about it. I mean, his ERA is comparable to like Josh Hader right now. So it's just a short season and one start can affect those things like that. And for me, I'd still put him out there in, you know, maybe like that sixth ish inning if the brewers are in a really close game and their starter has a high pitch count like I, I feel like that's the spot for him here if they were to get into the postseason
0: yeah i i think that's a good spot for him he's not gonna touch he's not gonna come close to the roles of devin williams or josh hater those two are absolutely incredible he's not to that point and I think that's fine. I think he would still have an important role. And I have one more thing that I want to talk about, and that is another bullpen arm and where he is going to fit moving forward You know, in the Cardinals series if the Brewers make the postseason. Where is he going to be? And that's Corey Knable. So this is a question I want to ask you, Tyler. You know, going back August 19th, Against Minnesota, he gave up two earned runs, three hits in that outing. He did have a walk and a strikeout. At that point, his ERA was 9.45, and he got time to kind of figure his stuff out. Comes back. It's been about you know 19 days or so since he's pitched. September 8th, we see him again, um, and he throws a scoreless inning, no hits, no walks. And next outing, he gives up a hit and an earned run. Does lock a batter and strike out a batter in that one? Next time out, in the eighteen to three game against the Cardinals, was out there for two innings and struck out six. Which, if you didn't know in baseball, that that's that's pretty good. There six out in two innings, so that's <laughs> damn good for Corey Knebel in that outing, and. Then against the Royals, he did not give up a run, did give up a hit and two walks, but again, importantly, didn't give up a earned run. And so if you look at that now, 9.45 on August 19th and, and just four short outings, which he did give up one run in one of those, he has that down over three points to 617 where do you see Corey Knable fitting in this bullpen moving forward for the
1: rest of 2020? Do you think he has a legit role? Well, I mean, there's five games left here now, so this is <laughs> really tough. But we also have five games. Well, thinking or thinking
0: postseason as well. Okay. Yeah, thinking postseason as well. If we oh, well, well, when we make it, I mean,
1: yes, when we make it, that's absolutely correct. Um, I mean, you take a look at. Corey Knabel is used here on Wednesday's finale against the Reds, and it was a blowout. So, I mean, that's where Craig Council elected to use him, and that's where his last couple of outings have come in when the Brewers were essentially out of games. But the caveat to that is his stuff has looked fantastic. The fastball velocity is up more near the 94 to 96 range. He added a changeup, which is just ridiculous to think about, and he was throwing it really well. And, and the curveball has been working as well for him, too. So, you know, if you want to, I can't say, I'm not going to say he has a specific role, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Brewers rely on him in a more high leverage situation over this last five game stretch here and even into the postseason, just because. All of these games are going to be in a row. If Devin Williams goes two innings, let's say, on Thursday and Josh Hader gets the save, well, okay, who's going to take Devin Williams' spot on Friday when you have a doubleheader? If the game's close, I would think with the way Corey Knable's been pitching, he would be a candidate for that. Of course, Drew Rasmussen would as well, as we just mentioned, Um, but... I, it's kind of hard to pinpoint a role for him, but I wouldn't be surprised for him to see some more high-leverage spots despite the really bad start that this year brought upon him. To me, I see Corey Knebel and Drew Rasmussen having a pretty similar type
0: of role. Now, this year, I don't think Knebel has pitched to the level of Rasmussen uh, that Rasmussen has pitched this year. I think overall, Corey Knebel has had a much bigger sample size obviously and he has kind of that track record and like you said you you see the velocity coming back you start to see these things you start to see the stuff look a little bit better so to me that means that you kind of have that guy that you feel comfortable throwing out maybe not super high leverage situations but You know, in those situations where we're talking, where we need to get to Devin Williams, we have a one- or two-run lead in the sixth or seventh inning, and you need a guy to get you an inning, get you three outs, maybe get you six outs. I think right now to allow you to those bridge kind of guys to get you to your all-star reliever of the year caliber pitchers, you need Corey Knebel and Drew Rasmussen, and I think both of those guys have earned this spot. I think they don't deserve much beyond that to my eyes at this point, but they deserve that spot. And that's probably the most important role on this bullpen because we know what we're getting out of Devin Williams and Josh Hader, and those guys have solidified themselves as absolutely dominant So, you know, outside of those two guys, which we already know what their roles are, these two are the most important because we haven't had an extremely competent, high leverage guy since we left David Phelps go. Yardley hasn't stepped up in those big moments as much as we would have liked. And outside of that, I don't think there's many other potential high leverage guys. So... Definitely, if we want to make a run into this postseason,
1: Canable and Rasmussen definitely need to be a part of it. I agree 100%. And regardless of what happens this year, like the future for this bullpen is really bright. Like All those four guys you mentioned right there, plus maybe even throw Yardley into that mix, five relievers right there that we earn the consideration for high leverage spots on the team this year that could be returning next year that that sounds like a pretty good bullpen to me there and you mentioned david phelps briefly there and it made me laugh because he if you've been following what happened to him since he left here he's been just getting rocked pretty much every outing so a very underrated trade there by david stearns and he kind of yeah. executed at the right time
0: <laughs> david stearns like he he sees these things and he he has missed on some signings this year you know a lot of the signings that happened this offseason were, you know, these guys struggled recently. I am going to pick them up and hope I get something out of them. Brock Holt was a big miss. Justin Smoke, big miss. I think Eric Sogard to an extent has been a miss. He, he's still on the team at least, but there's been a lot of misses in that regard. But that pulling the trigger on that trade, he saw something happening. That he did not like and got prospects that he did like moving forward, knowing that, yeah, it's not going to help this team this year. But I think now thinking for Stearns here, I'm sure he thought David Phelps is going to hurt this team and actively hurt this team the way he's been pitching recently. Let's get him out of here and get guys in three, four, five, six, seven years might be able
1: to make an impact for this team. Oh yeah, and Big Dan Vog- Vogelbach. Don't forget about that pickup. <laughs> Stearns knew he was just going to come here and hit. <laughs> he had a and feeling.
0: There, there is no way. There is no way he knew that because <laughs> he was awful before he came to Milwaukee.
1: He saw him on the Mariners and said, "Man, that guy's so big he can't even close his batting gloves. We need to pick him up. That's what we're going to do." <laughs> and, no, I, I
0: fully think. He saw him without a hat or a helmet on, and he's like, man, I miss Chris Farley. This guy's got to be on, in, <laughs> on a bench. He, he's got to be in the clubhouse. Let's go. Uh,
1: regardless of whatever his reasonings were, it, it's working so far this year. <laughs> All right, let's wind it back here. Let's recap this shitty red series. I don't even I don't even know if I can find a series MVP, but let's move into the MVP. And Dud. Uh, who do you got for MVP? You're gonna have to think real hard on this one, I think.
0: Knowing that I was not picking an offensive player for this, I actually felt this was pretty easy. And they were not anything more than what we expect, but they were the best players for the Brewers this series. So I'm going to give co-honors this week, MVP, and that's and Williams because they've, they've just been impressive. They continue to do great stuff, you know, outside of Hader, little bit shaky, kind of, I had him as a dud in the Cubs series. Outside of that, he's been extremely good. Devin Williams has been absolutely unbelievable, and they were they were the best guys. They were the best guys this series. And I don't think it's particularly close because there wasn't a lot of other great performances. I do think Brett Anderson deserves a little bit of credit here. You know, he allows two runs, only one of them earned and outside of that home run, he pitched extremely well. So he definitely deserves some credit. But I'm going to go with guys that have been very, very, very impressive this year. And that's Devin Williams, who continues to blow my mind, and Josh Hader.
1: Yeah, we're kind of in the same boat. I'm going with Devin Williams. No cos for me here. And I think his one walk of the series was the first battery faced, if I remember correctly, because he went two innings in yeah. one game here. Yep. Yeah, and then just lights out after that. And it just feels like his changeup gets more impressive every time I watch it, which is really hard to do because we've seen it a ton this this season. Um, but the numbers are just ridiculous, and he's striking out batters at a historical rate. Um, no pitcher has ever struck out the amount of batters he has per nine right now. My honorable mention was Brett Anderson I feel like six innings and only having one earned run, that that's pretty good for him. He did give up two runs technically, although the first runner reached via an Orlando Arcia throwing error. But then after that first inning and his start, he settled down. He really had some swing and miss stuff going on. The finish of the game was seven strikeouts. His slider was working really well. And for now, a guy who could potentially start on Sunday against the Cardinals, the last game of the year, I feel a little bit better about him pitching that game, uh, giving his last performance. Who do you got for a series dud? So I just want to say one more thing on Devin Williams,
0: NL reliever of the year. And rookie of the year. He gets them both. I mean, he, he deserves it. I He's been unbelievable. And I we did get a question on Twitter. Now... I'm not sure if they just follow us for the brewer content on Twitter or if they listen to the podcast, but I just remembered the question while we were recording here. So I want to go back and look and see if I can answer their question. So it looks like back to 2005, from 2005 to 2013, the award was called Delivery Man Award, and that was for the best reliever. So the question was, has there been any back-to-back-to-back years of one organization winning the award? It looks like Mariano Rivera won it in 2005 and 2006, and then he also won it in 2009. And then outside of that, it then changed – in 2014, the NL reliever of the year is now the Trevor Hoffman NL reliever of the year. And then AL is Mariano Rivera AL AL reliever of the year. And to answer your question, there has only been back-to-back winners. Mariano Rivera did it. Kenley Jansen did it for the Dodgers in 2016 and 2017. Hayter did it in 2018-2019. So there has not been a team since 2005 that has won that award in back-to-back-to-back years, and I think there's a good chance this year. Devin Williams has been extremely impressive, and I don't see how you cannot give NL Reliever of the Year, NL Rookie of the Year to anyone outside of Devin Williams because I am just extremely, extremely impressed with him. For my dud, I'm I'm doing codes for both of them. I think this is the first time we've done this. Christian, Allison, Keston, Hira. And that has been a big reason why this offense has struggled. And I feel like we're saying it all the time that these two need to step up for this offense to go. And they haven't done it all year. Week The very first series against the Cubs, I had Yalich, you had Hira. And then going back last series, you had Hero or I had Hero and you had Hero For Duds, I think Yelich has had the most of them. It, it's just been a really frustrating year for these two, and this was a series we needed them in, and they did not show up at all.
1: Yeah, we are on the same page today, because I was going to do co-Duds with them as well. That's <laughs> 1-17 between the two of them. 11 strike, no run productions. That's the biggie right there. Like these are the guys we expected to contribute. Yelich, especially. I can understand here like his numbers being down a little bit. He's in his sophomore year and all this stuff. But like Christian, come on, man. This is this is go time for the Brewers. And I know he's still getting on via the walk, which he had three of them this series. Okay, that's good. But someone's got to drive in these runs, and neither one of these guys are getting it done all year it's just been frustrating like you said i think christian yelch is gonna bounce back in
0: 2021 i really i really do think he's gonna bounce back but there's always a concern you know these guys get these mega money deals and all of a sudden their production falls off a cliff i i think he's gonna come back but definitely looking a little bit concerning right now i th- like i said i think he's coming back from this but it has just been an extremely, extremely frustrating uh, 55 games that we've been through so far, and there hasn't been much signs of life from either one of these players outside of their, what, combined 24 home runs, I think. Outside of those plays, there has not been much hope.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I guess the good thing for Yelich is at least the advanced stats kind of back him up like when he when he is hitting the ball because his whiff rate is insanely high this year. He is still hitting the ball hard and making really good contact. <laughs> um, it's just these two guys whiff so much this year, and we expected with Keston and Yelich not so much. So let's move on here. We got five games left in the entire regular season. There are a ton of different playoff scenarios but it all really starts with taking a good majority of these games versus the Cardinals here. So we have a single game on Thursday, double header Friday, and then single games on Saturday and Sunday. Looks like the pitching rotations are pretty much set. The Cardinals will send forth Kim on Thursday. We will send forth Burns. Friday, it will be some combination of Lindblom and a bullpen day versus Flaherty and Ponce de Lone. Saturday, we will see Brandon Woodruff for the Brewers. Not quite sure who the Cardinals are doing yet. And then Sunday, the Brewers will send forth uh, Brett Anderson. So, got any last thoughts here on the Cardinals before the Brewers essentially decide their fate this weekend?
0: I think we need at least four. (laughs) Um, and, And this is what we were talking about, I think, before the last Cardinals series was you need, to, you need to start winning games now so you don't go into that last series and feel like you need to win all of them. And I don't think the Brewers won enough to feel like, you know, you can take three and still get into the postseason. I think they can only lose once in this series, in my opinion, and make the postseason. Now that might not be technically true, but – that that's just kind of how it feels to me. So we need to see everyone perform, you know. We need to continue to see twenty twenty Corbin Burns. We need to see Brandon Woodruff go back to I don't remember exactly who is it against. It was a couple outings ago for him where he pitched seven innings and looked absolutely spectacular doing it. We need the Brett Anderson we saw in Wednesday's game. We need the Bloom, I think, that was in the last outing that he had. I think he pitched extremely well. All of these pitchers need to pitch well. We absolutely need the duds of this Red Series in Keston Hira and Christian Yelich. Absolutely need them to step up for a series. And if they want to make a run in the postseason, they need to just step up from here till they're done playing. Because... We need those guys, and I, I don't think the Brewers make it out of the first series of the postseason if they're not getting good and consistent contributions from, one, the starting rotation, and two, Christian Yelich and Keston Hira.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that you really hit it right on the head there. And the Brewers will go into this series here a game back of the Cardinals. So if they take three, they end up with the same record as the Cardinals. If they take four, like you said, they need to. They are a game ahead of the Cardinals. Uh, The playoff scenarios, I know if you have the same record from what I've been reading, it goes head-to-head matchup first. Whoever gets the advantage there is the higher seed or gets in, However, would shape out. If the Brewers would somehow be like tied with the Phillies where there was no head-to-head matchup, then it goes to your division record and next after that. So those will be important things to keep in mind as this last weekend here plays out. But do you have anything else before we wrap it up today? Oh, I
0: I can't wait to watch the nl cy young and the nl rookie and reliever of the year in this cardinal series and hopefully they help propel us to a big time series win in a postseason berth
1: absolutely and we can talk about their award winnings in the offseason after the postseason which the brewers will hopefully be in so Of course, hopefully on Monday, we'll be previewing whoever we're going to play. could be anyone from the Dodgers, Braves, Cubs, or Padres, (laughs) really. Everyone's so close now at this point. Um, But we'll have all that on Monday. Hopefully, we're not recapping the season. That's not going to happen. I have to say it so it doesn't happen here. (laughs) But we will talk to you on Monday, Brewer fans, with a recap here. And have a good weekend. Trust in Burns.